If you join me in the gospel according to Luke uh, 19th chapter, look in the verses 29 to 40. Continue on to this theme of this Palm Sunday celebrating the triumphant entry of Jesus Christ, the chosen one of God, the only begotten son of God who came to take away the sins of the world. Uh, We want to kick off this Passion Week uh, and look at these last days of our Lord and Savior. And and, and, and truly here at this time in this text, we can truly grasp why he came. Oh, glory be to God. Uh, He is fulfilling his mission, coming to the cross. Luke uh, 19th uh, chapter, looking into verses 29 to 40. I'll be reading from uh, the New Living a translation. Still here some pages turning out of weight as we're turning there. You have Matthew, Mark, then Luke uh, right there. Uh, if you're in John, you're, you went past Luke, uh, go on back uh, right there in the Gospels. Luke 19 chapter uh, verses 29 to 40. Uh, reading this text starting at verse 29. If you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say hold on. Oh, hold on. Hey, man, we're going we're gonna to get there together. Hope we arrive to the same conclusion uh, together. We, we praise God for his word. We stay right in his word. And so I want you there so you can see for yourself what God is saying to you. Luke 19, verse 29, reads this way. As he came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into the village over there, he told them. As you enter, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that coat? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the coat, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked him, why are you untying that coat? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the coat to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road straight started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst out into cheers. Praise God for his word. As you take your seat here, if you can help me announce this to your neighbor, tell them, worship him. Amen, amen. Help your other neighbors so they don't feel it out. Talk to them to tell them, worship him. Amen, amen. Just in case somebody was behind you, that nobody was talking, turn around, turn around, go and talk to them, tell them, worship him. Amen. I hope you caught everybody. You know, I hope you might have woke somebody up. Let them catch on to this real quick that you've come to worship him. 
what I want to deal with on this Palm Sunday here in Luke, the 19th chapter, you might see this kind of different. You say, well, where are the palms? I'm glad you asked that question. Uh, The palms are there, too. But Luke is pointing out that this is even before he gets into the city. Mm. I wish somebody was with me right now. I, I said this is before he even gets into the city. By the time he got into the city, the crowd was getting louder and louder, and they were laying down their palms, grabbing and saying, Hosanna, and I bless he who comes in the name of the Lord. I, I told you to tell your neighbor, worship him. I want you to understand one way you and how to worship him is that you got to prepare to worship him. You see, once the preparation was made, everybody else already knew how to catch on. Look closely here in the preparation here. He says that Jesus tells them, go out ahead of me. Uh, we're almost there. Go out. Don't say which two disciples it was. But he said, sent two disciples. Notice the theme again. He sends them two by two. Sent two disciples. And he told them exactly what was going to happen. Oh, I, I wish I had more witness right there. He told them exactly what was going to happen. And he told them exactly what to say. Mm, mm, mm. I, I seem I lost some people. Let me help somebody out real quick. I want you to know that there is a God who knows everything. And since he knows everything, when you ask him a question, he's telling you the right answer. And oftentimes, if you're like me, that we get mad at God when he gives us the right answer because that's not what I wanted to hear. And so I get up doing what I want to do and I get the results I don't want to have, finding out if I only did. What he told me in the first place, everything would work out all right. So what I'm trying to point out here, here is the son of God telling his two disciples to go out and experience what I'm about to tell you you're going to experience and say what I tell you to say. And everything's going to be just like I said. And is anybody here ready to prepare to worship him? Well, then he's told us how we to prepare to worship him. He tells us how we ought to forget about ourselves and concentrate on him. He may not use those words, but you see the implication in the text. He says, if any man wants to be my disciple, he must deny himself. Oh, forget about yourself. <laughs> Ooh. And concentrate on me. Oh, pick up your cross and follow after me. In order to follow after him, you got to concentrate. I wish I had somebody here on this morning to understand that if you want to worship him, you need to know who you're worshiping and you need to look at who you're worshiping. He tells them, he tells them, he tells them exactly what's going to happen. And, and look what happens as they are being unobedient. They go out ahead and they find the coat tied, just as he said. So they un- untie him, just like he said. Then somebody asked him, why are you untying that coat? Just like he said. And they said to him, our Lord needs it, just like he said. And then they took the coat to him, just like he said. And then they put their garments on so that he could ride. Now, also in this preparation, check this out. The city is preparing to receive their king. Mm. But yet they have a different understanding of a king that is coming. And for the clarity to be given, uh, once again, the son of God is showing them how the king should come. Mm. He is showing them. Now, if you are looking closely in the Gospels, you often find out how Jesus letting you know how this is how the kingdom of God is. 
The kingdom of God is not like the world. Many of us who live in the United States of America, we are proud we are in the United States of America. We love our capitalistic government and the system because of what it gives you the opportunity to have a life. And that's why many people want to come to the United States of America because they believe dreams can be achieved. So think about, think about this real quick. I'll give you a quick, real quick assessment of how much the world loves to come to the United States of America. Look at all the doctor's offices and see how many of them are from the United States of America. They come here because they understand of the greatness of the education and the opportunity to pursue. So they come here practicing, getting scholarships so that they can become doctors. And then you find them in the hospital happy to serve us. And so you see here that if the world grabs onto this ideology of like, wow, capitalism must be great. We must come to the United States of America so we can achieve our dreams. And we like it. We like this system. But yet I want you to understand we can like the system, but we should not idolize the system. Capitalism has some characteristics that are totally contrary to the kingdom of God. Here's one character that that capitalism has. Capitalism has that if you are the top, you are the best. But the kingdom of God said that should not be. For the greatest is the least of these. Oh, so that, that means the, the one in the mail room should be, have higher esteem more than the CEO. Well, watch out, somebody. But the CEO gets the good parking spot. <laughs> we look into the process that, so we say, you know what? I want to be the CEO one day. I, I want to be the president. I want to be there because I want all the perks, all the things that have come. But Jesus, the Son of God, King of kings, host of hosts, let us know that you should not like, should not try to be like the world, but be like the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is not about glitter and gold, who is the greatest as far who has power and might, but yet the least of these is the greatest. And so look how he comes. He comes poorly. The poor have donkeys. The rich have horses. Those who are able to dress a full horse, that's where you get the that's where they get the egalitarians, that they are rich enough that they can dress a whole horse. They can put a, a saddle on it. They can rein it. They can dress it up, put shoes on it. That's a rich person. A, a person riding around on a full dress horse, they say, oh, that boy is rich. Also, the horse represents war. They ran on horses so they can defeat enemies. But here comes a poor man, humbly coming into Jerusalem. And this humble man, they recognize, he comes in the name of the Lord. He is showing them that as you prepare to worship me, I want you to know who you are worshiping. Are you prepared to worship a humble, gentle Messiah who comes to take away the sins of the world? Are you ready to come and surrender to the one who will be slain on the cross? He is letting them know, are you preparing your hearts for me? Sometimes in our lives that we prepare our hearts for God, but we want God to be who we think he should be. Let me help you out there. Some of you prepare to worship a God that is a bank. So in your mind, you prepare to worship a bank, so therefore you came ready to get some money from the bank. And so therefore you're prepared to worship him like a bank is. The bank works this way. You put money in the bank, you take money out of the bank. 
So you say, you know what? My God is such a good God. I've been hearing people say these things that if you if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. So I'm going to sow all my money into God or plant this seed, expecting God to bless me back abundantly. So you come, you deposit your money, and week after week, month after month, you're still making the same amount. Mm. You still have a J-O-B, just over broke. And you're wondering, well, God, I've given you all that I have. How come I have a money? Here's what God is saying that you have not given me your heart. Watch out, somebody. Some of us see God as a doctor. And since God is a doctor, he's Mr. Fix-It. And so he should fix everything I come, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name it and claim it. I'm going to blab it and grab it, so I say, I speak healing. Matter of fact, I got a headache. I don't need aspirin. I lay hands on myself. Be healed. Things don't work out. Now we mad at God again. Say, well, God, I, you said if I believe, if I have faith as a mustard seed, uh, I, I'll be healed. So how come I am not healed? Again, you want God to do what you want to do. When we combine, when we, we put God and confine him into a box, we make him small and insignificant and we make ourselves as God. But here it is. We see who they wanted. They wanted a, a ruler to come and defeat the Roman Empire. They had their idea of how the king should look, but he came lowly on a coat. And we'll see, are you prepared to worship me? And at this time, they were prepared to worship him. I said, at this time. This is, let me look at my watch. This is Sunday. Come Thursday, things are changing. They were saying, blessed is the name of the Lord. Come Thursday night, he gets portrayed by a kiss. Come Friday, they say, let the murderer go. Kill him. Crucify him. So at one time, they're prepared to worship him as he's meeting their needs and say, well, he's coming this way. Well, maybe he's going to do it later on. Maybe this is undercover. Maybe he's trying to sneak in so they don't know how he's coming, but we know how he's coming. Even the Pharisees caught on. You see that? The Pharisees caught on and say, why don't you make them be quiet? Do you hear what they're saying? The Pharisees understood uh, this is some, some stuff of blasphemies. How, how, how are you going to say these things? Eh? And, and that's why he's weeping and wailing. Continue on reading in verses 40 to 44. He's weeping and wailing for they truly do not understand of his appearing. And so preparing to worship and we see him for who he is. He is the son of God who comes and takes away the sins of the world. He comes with humility He comes with grace and mercy and meekness and love. Do you see how he's coming? And so how he comes, he comes that he's after our hearts. Do you understand that when we prepare to worship, remember I said earlier that it doesn't matter how much money you give and just doing all these things, putting God in a box. God is not after you trying to get something from him. God is wondering what you're going to give to him. Have you heard the saying, obedience is better than sacrifice? The psalmist says that a sacrifice you didn't desire, but you desire a broken and a contrite heart. You you see that God is after your heart. 
And after your heart, you will realize that it does not matter how much money I give if I don't give him my heart. It, it doesn't matter if I name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, if he still does not have my heart. When we put God into a box, we want to only get things for him that satisfies us. That's why we have this kind of vocabulary when we come to worship service. When somebody asks you, how was worship? This is what you say to them oftentimes. I didn't get anything out of it. Well, the problem is that you weren't supposed to get anything out of it. I don't know what you were trying to get out of it, especially when you didn't come to give anything anyway. Worship is not about us. Worship is about him. And so you should come with whatever you have and give it to him and let God be pleased with the praise and the worship we give. And so when we know who he is, then we come and say, Lord, I've come to worship you. I've come to bless your holy name. Here, here it is how we can grab understanding how to worship. And it says that they are worshiping him because they've seen what he has done. Has anybody seen God do something in your life? Mm. Shouldn't that prepare you to worship him right now? When, when you think about people that have done things in your life and they say they come in to visit, don't you prepare for them special things? Like, wow, wow, so-and-so's coming and they've done such great things for me. I, I wanted to show them how much I love and care for them that I'm going to fix their favorite meal. I'm going to have a special gift for them. Think about how we prepare for those who come who've done great things for us. We want to show them how much we love them. And so here it is. They praise him for the miracles they've seen that on the way he heals a blind man. And, and, and that's just a re- most recent one. But yet, if you look back closely, you can see all kinds of miracles they've seen him do. He fed the 5,000. He, he's fed the 4,000. He's healed many lame. He healed many with, with leprosy. He's healed many that were blind. They say we're praising and worshiping for, for the miracles we've seen, for what he has done. Aren't you glad? Don't you think about that song, You Don't Know? What he's done for me, he's given me the victory. I love him. Oh, I love him. I really love the Lord. And so as your heart is prepared to show your love, your adoration, then you ought to worship him. You ought to bless his holy name. I, I want to share this real quick, real quick for you, real quick to grab onto this, that you don't have to wait till you get into the worship building to worship him. On your drive to the office, you can think about how much you love the Lord. You can just worship him right there and say, oh, gosh, you've been good. So good. I'm even happy, Lord. I'm about to go to the job that's about to get on my last nerves. I wish I held some help right now. But I'm going to praise you anyhow. Mm, mm, mm. You can do it when you pull up to your house. He said, Lord, I want to bless you mm, for giving me a place to stay. Mm. Oh, glory. Even though the faucet may be running, the toilet don't flush the way I like, but Lord, I got a place. I wish I had somebody here. Because we know, we know, we know for a fact everything's not perfect in our life, but we have a perfect God. And so, what I'm trying to highlight, if you can grab on what I'm grabbing on to, is that it doesn't take much to prepare our hearts to worship him. Oh, he's done so much for us. 
Because when we think about what we call the little things, then we can think about the big things. How he changed our hearts. He's changed our minds. He changed our attitude. He's given us hope. Oh, those are reasons to worship him. So, give him your heart. Give him your heart. When you give him your heart, you are surrendering to him. And you're desiring to do what he asked you to do. Just as the disciples gave their hearts, they did exactly what he said. Sometimes in our lives, we question God instead of just following his instructions. The disciples just followed his instructions. And, 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 if, and I, I'm glad that he chose those two because if I was one of the two he chose, I'd be asking a question like, do you know this man? And whose house are we going? We've never been there before. I would just ask some questions because I'm just a curious person. So that's why he didn't give me that assignment. Hello, somebody. But to the two, he gave the assignment. He understood that they knew how to follow his instructions and go do what it. And I'll help you out real quick. It wasn't Peter. If it was Peter, would have said so. But it wasn't Peter. Uh, uh, Peter got questions, and Peter got some things that he had. It wasn't Thomas. It wasn't Andrew, because we see Andrew ask questions. Uh, Father, where you going? You, all this time, uh, we've been with you. What are you talking about? Leaving. So it had to be some two that we probably don't know very well, but yet we should learn to embolize or follow. So you know what? How can I be more obedient like that? How can I give my heart and just do what he asked me to do, knowing it's going to work out? Because when they saw that, he worshiped. Now, I want you to understand this, that it shows us the omniscience of our Lord, that he knew exactly that he had preparations already. Mm. Mm. He had preparations already. And so in this preparation, they, they realized that he has prepared for him to come. And therefore, they have prepared their hearts to worship him. And they worship him for what he has done. They are celebrating for the miracles they had seen. And they have reasons to bless his holy name. I want you to grab closely here that we see this always in a, in a theme within our Bible. That the Bible tells us about why we ought to worship God. He says, I am the one who took you out of Egypt. I am the one who crawl, you helped you cross the Red Sea and you walked on dry land. He tells her, I am the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the Lord thy God, who is like me. That's why we like Isaiah 31 that says that, you know, have you, have, have you not seen, have you not heard? <laughs> The Lord, the Lord, the God is almighty. Let us know. That's why we say they that wait upon the Lord shall read. But before that, he's given great arguments saying that who's given me counsel? Who's given me wisdom? I am the great and awesome mighty God who's come to save you. The Bible shows us about God. That's why we have faith. Because our faith is on our evidence of knowing that God is real. And so we can worship him for the evidence that he is real. One way to really find out how really is all you have to do every morning, every morning, if you want to, to do this test, just do this test, just, just get up around, say, 6.30 now, I think, as the time, and, and you'll see the sunrise. And, and if you wake up every morning and look and see the sunrise, you're going to see something different every morning. 
is it something different about it? Like, it's a different shades, a different color. It's not the same thing. And, you, and what you're seeing is just the glory of the Lord. It says, it says the psalm writes out that even the earth knows how to display his glory and declare his glory. And it goes out day after day. How can it be a tree knows how to lift its branches and move in the wind and its worship? How is it that a bird knows every morning to get up and sing a song unto the Lord? But we come into the place of worship and we wait for the song to sing our song. I'm not going to sing that one because I don't like that one. Uh, I don't like that song. I'm going to sing that song over again. I, I don't want to hear that song. Or, or you're going to wait till somebody hits on the drum. Oh, that's my beat. Oh, now I'm going to get up now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you're going to wait till it, ha- it makes you move and you see somebody else that's, oh, I'm going to dance now too. But I dare you just by yourself just to think about his goodness and worship him all by yourself. Then you realize that I, I, I don't need anybody else to tell me how good he is. I see his goodness all around. I see brand new grace and mercy. I, I, see, the, I see the stars in the sky. I see the sun. I, I, I see the beauty. Check this out. Check this out. If you need some assistance, go talk to those who try to tell you about the Big Bang Theory. and Ask them this question. Ask them this question. Where did the Big Bang come from? Then they're going to be in a puzzle and say, well, there was some matter that have always been in existence. Okay, where did that come from? Your science says something comes from something. Well, I just want to give you my signs. I open up my Bible to Genesis 1. It says, in the beginning, there was God. Oh, that's time to worship him right now because you don't know the answers. You don't know what, but God understood that we had some questions, so he gave us the answer. I made the heavens and the earth, so stop trying to figure it out. So if he made the heavens and the earth, check this out. He made you. So stop trying to figure out how to live your life. Just do what he told you to do. Give him your heart. Give him your heart. Bless the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Not only do we prepare to worship and we worship him for what he has done, we worship him alone. We need to be careful how we might worship other things. We allow things to distract us and not keep our eyes on Jesus. And I want you to grab closely that this Bible makes it clear that I want you, I don't want anybody to be offended or hurt, but what I'm going to say may offend you and hurt you, and I'm saying it for that reason. <laughs> he does not need you. How is it that God does not need you? Because he's sustained all by himself. But yet, catch this. And even if you don't worship him, the stones can cry out. Now, this arrests my heart to think that how a stone can replace me. And I started thinking about God. When have I allowed a stone to replace me? It didn't take long. I don't know about you, but I, I, I've sat in these pews myself. And there's sometimes I just say, you know what? I ain't going to worship you today. I'm going to go ahead and fall asleep. I'm going to go ahead and draw some pictures. 
I'm going to go ahead and just do what I want to do because I'm not going to worship you today. Now, I didn't blatantly just say that, but my actions surely did. I allowed my mind to get caught up on other things. I, I'm, I'm so glad I'm in the pulpit now at this age because if I was in the pews back in the day with technology, Lord have mercy, what would I be doing? My phone battery would be dead by the end of service. Because I probably just been playing on it the whole time. It's easy to get distracted and just to be concerned about ourselves. Not understanding that when we get distracted, we stop looking up, we start looking down. And when we're looking down, we're no longer walking by faith, but we're walking by sight. And I've realized this as I've matured. Have anybody else realized this, that the more I see, the less I know? What you're saying, reverence, those that didn't catch on, is that I think I know what I'm seeing. I think I know what I'm grabbing. I think I know what I'm handling. But I find out the things I think I know end up hurting me worse. But when I trust in the Lord, he helps me to bypass those things that catch my eye. Oh, I wish I had a witness in this place. Uh, he, he helps me to go past the things that would drag me down. He helps me go past the things that would tangle me up. He helps me go past the things that will enslave me and unbinding me because I'm looking up to the hills uh, from which cometh my help. And, and all my help, it, it comes from the Lord. Uh, I look up to the master and I see him giving me instructions and directions. I might have got too spiritual for somebody. Let me bring it to some, some layman terms. Uh, many of us are familiar with traveling, and if you have not been on a plane, you've been on a bus, you've been on a taxi. And, and, and what it happens is this, that you are in, 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 the, in the passenger seat, and you are not, check this out, you are not, you are not concerned where you're going. You are trusting the, the, the driver, the captain, the pilot to get you where you want to go. And so, therefore, you don't keep your eyes on the road because you're not worried about the exit signs because you are trusting that they're going to get you there. What I want you to understand, that God is better than a bus driver. He's better than a pilot. He's better than a captain. All you got to do is just keep your eyes on him and don't worry about what you're passing by. Don't worry about any exit signs because what's ever good for you, he will make sure you'll stop and see it. But if he doesn't tell you to stop, keep on moving. Think about those two. What if they stopped? I said, well, here goes a horse. Why won't we just take him this horse? Surely a horse is better than a colt. No, they kept their eye on the message. No, he says, go to this house. Find a colt tied and untie it. He will say, why are you untying? Tell him the master, the Lord has need of it. They bring it and put their garments on it so he can ride on. They lay their coats down, and as they lay their coats down, they, that means that the coat is passing over their coats. And now, we, we have so many clothes now that we get something dirty, we go buy something else. These coats, these coats, these coats, these coats that are being trampled by the coat, they put back on because that's all they have. This shows us that they were willing to submit and surrender to the king and says, we are under you. Are you under him? Are you willing to get low for him? Are you willing to surrender? Don't get distracted and put something else ahead of him. But will you surrender to him? 
Will you worship? Because when you worship him, when you worship him, you have to, you know, worship. Basically, the word worship basically means to get low. <laughs> it means basically to kiss the ground. So when we say worship, oftentimes we come to music and, and clapping and singing. But worship, when you look in the text, it means basically when somebody worship, they got low. Low enough that they kiss the ground, which means their face is on the ground. But, you know, we're too fancy for that. No, I, I don't worship that way. But when, check this out, when you see the parables of, of the ten lepers are healed and, and it says that, one came out and worshiped me, and he got down and said, thank you. Many times when they got, healing took place, they got down and said, thank you. I challenge you, when you worship God, will you get down and say, thank you. Thank you for keeping me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for watching over my children. Thank you for keeping us married for these many years. Thank you for the health of my parents. Thank you for the job you've given me. Thank you for the life you've given me. Thank you for saving me. Because when we prepare ourselves to worship and we worship him for what he has done, we worship him for who he is and we worship him alone because there's only one God. There's only one God. And three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And when you worship him, check this out, what happens? You allow yourself to give God what he deserves. And when you give God what he deserves, you feel better. How is it that you feel better? You are made to worship him. You are made for his glory. When he made you, you were good. He said, let us make man in our own image. Man messed up. Sin is in this world. But he didn't leave us alone. He gave a promise there in the garden that the seed of the woman will come and crush the serpent's head and bruise his heel. The seed of the woman. Oh, hallelujah for Mary and Joseph, who God chose to bring forth the seed that he has been promised. And this seed was born not as a rich young ruler, but as a lowly carpenter. Y'all don't hear me. Oh, a carpenter was not a job of choice. In this time of the Greco-Roman area, if you worked with your hands, you were beneath everybody else. It was the philosophers and those who did not use their hands. That's why they say how soft people's hands were, because if they were soft, that means they didn't do any hard labor. That means they were rich. But the poor had to work by their hands. He was a carpenter. We know he was a carpenter. He had a job. They say, don't we know him? Isn't he this carpenter's son? Mm. Foxes have holes. Birds have never. But the son of man has no place to lay his head. He chose to be poor. He could have stayed and been rich. Many times they came to master, they're looking for you, they want you to stay. He could have stayed. He said, you know what, I'm going to establish my kingdom here. But no, he kept on moving. He said, no, others need me. And so as he came, he came low. He came teaching. He came preaching. He came healing. He came proclaiming. And now we see he's come 
into Jerusalem for one reason, one reason alone, to lay his life down. Blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. I want you to understand that he's going to come back again. But we have a chance to know him now. So we'll be even more like him and see him when he comes back again. So the challenge is to you, will you worship him? And will you worship him? Will you prepare your hearts to give your all to him? Will you worship for what he has done in your life, realizing that everything you have in your life has not been by your own doing, but by his grace and his mercy? Will you worship him, realizing that he's come to take away the sins of the world, that we might have everlasting life? Will you worship him, knowing that he is fully man and fully God? And I close with this thought. As they are worshiping Jesus, riding on a coat, laying their garments down, saying, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. I want you to grab that this is the Son of God in flesh, without sin, willing to take our punishment, our chastisement, our grief, willing to take death when he does not owe it. The wages of sin is death. Jesus is without sin. He does not owe death. But he gave us this great example that he was willing to lay his life down. He who has so much to live for was willing to lay his life down. Will you lay your down? Will you lay your life down before the king and say, here I am. Have your way. I worship you. Let us pray. Father, we surrender to you. We give our lives to you. We want to worship you alone. For there is none like you. We repent right now for our pride. Our selfishness. The lust of our flesh. The idolatry of our eyes the wickedness of our minds, the craftiness of our hands, the swiftness of our feet. We thank you for you will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And our desire is to worship you, Lord, Lord, with a pure heart and clean hands. Transform our minds. Renew us, O Holy Spirit. Refresh us and revive us one more time. Pierce our hearts with your word that we might not sin against you. Keep us, Holy Spirit. Draw us closer as you will draw nigh unto us. Search our hearts, O God. We surrender all to you, we pray. Amen. We extend a hand.